0: Well, y'all, we're doing a, a series on faith. We're doing a study on faith. I believe we've got this week and one more. Of course, you never exhaust uh, preaching and talking about faith in, in a Christian church. But uh, I think it's been a good study. And we're going to move on and cover some, some new ground today. I want to pray one more time just for the, for the sermon itself, that God would speak to our hearts. Father, we love you. We need you, God. We do trust in You, Father. He said, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And as we study Your Word today, I pray, God, that our faith in Jesus Christ and You, Lord, and in Your promises and Your Word would be built up. And we would live a life of faith that honors You and pleases You, God. Give us ears to hear this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. You couldn't study faith without going to Hebrews chapter 11, right? And we have spent a lot of time there. We started there weeks ago, and and we're going to continue right there. Hebrews chapter 11, I want us to read just verse 5 right now. Hebrews 11, verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his t- translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What a testimony. Amen. What's something to put on your tombstone one day when you do when you die? Say, I want that on my, my tombstone. Amen. That he pleased God. And the Bible, that word pleased means to gratify entirely. That is a Greek definition. When you look up the word pleased, that's used right there and in verse 6 as well. The word pleased means to gratify entirely a man gratifying God entirely. It's, it's It says in Hebrews, the next verse down, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. It doesn't say in verse 6 that without faith, it's difficult to please God. That it can be a real struggle to please God. It says that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Uh, it has to be true living faith, like we talked about last week. There's a difference between a mere profession of faith or acknowledgement of a fact that Jesus is the Son of God, for example. It is, it's, it's a true living faith. Is a faith that comes from the heart of man that puts our full confidence in the Lord God. Here it is, God, take my life. I trust you with my life. I trust You to be my Savior. I trust You to be my Lord. I, I trust You to carry me through this world of sin and darkness and bring me to heaven one day. I trust my family into Your hands. That's, that's true faith where we surrender ourselves. Not that we don't have moments of weakness where we don't feel a lot of faith at times or we may doubt and we may sin, which is not a faith, but it's a whole pattern of the life like we talked about last week when we are truly born again and we're born again by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is, is, is one where we tr- we're trusting God. We sang so much about that this morning in our, our time of praise and worship. But it's trusting fully in God and His Word. And His Word is forever settled in heaven. And we can put our confidence in the Lord. Forever settled in, in heaven. We're trusting fully in who He is. We're trusting fully in, in what He has done. We're trusting... Uh, without that type of faith, we can never please God. It's impossible to please the Lord without that type of faith in the Lord. And y'all, you know how we're called to trust in God? We're we're called to believe in God, in Him above all. We believe in a lot of things, okay? Uh, But to believe in the Lord above all. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ despite all that you feel or see in your circumstances around you. And to to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to the exclusion of all. In other words, this kind of faith. We're not talking about, I believe, 2 plus 2 is 4. That's a factual truth. I'm not saying we abandon that. I'm saying, what am I trusting in? I have to trust in the Lord above all, to the exclusion of all. I'm not trusting in God and, and you fill in the blank, my family. I'm not trusting God and America. Okay? I thank the Lord for America. I thank the Lord for the freedom. Uh, to, to worship the Lord like we do. But my trust is in the Lord. That's true faith in the living God. And without that type of faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please Him. But the Bible says that at the beginning of that chapter, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's a longing that's real in our hearts and it's true and it's fixed upon something we haven't physically seen yet. We haven't seen Jesus yet physically. We haven't seen the streets of gold in heaven yet. We haven't seen a glorified body. We haven't seen His eyes of fire and and the angels around the throne. But our heart is fixed upon that. That's true faith in God that we believe it. And you could not talk me out of it. And I couldn't talk you out of it. Because the Holy Ghost has spread that truth abroad in our hearts that we know it to be true by the Word of God, and we know it to be true by the Spirit of truth that bears witness in our heart, that says yea and amen to everything that God says in His Word. Amen? And the Bible says that through faith, in verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Faith lays hold on something. Faith obtains something. Faith is not just some mystical force like we've, I've kind of teased about the Star Wars force where you, you tap into it and you can use the force for good or you can use the force for evil. God's not going to be used by anybody. But true faith in the living God is confidence in who He is and who He says He is and that His promises are true. He's going to do exactly what He says in this Word. We have not seen it all fulfilled yet, but we will. Because everything that He's spoken in the past has come to pass. There's no other book that has fulfilled prophecies in it, by the way. You know, if you're thinking, of, you know, debating another person of another religion or something, the, the, uh, the Quran does not have fulfilled prophecies in it, for example, or the Hindu books and so forth. The Lord has spoken his word. He watches over it to perform it. He says it and he does it. And all of his good pleasure comes to pass. Exactly like He said. So I can put my confidence in the Lord that the things that have not been yet fulfilled, that are future, are going to be fulfilled. I can believe Him when He says that to be absent for the body is to be present with the Lord. I can trust Him to believe that. Amen? and that He's good and He does good. We put our confidence in the Lord and by it, the elders, the elders that were mentioned in Hebrews 11 later, Enoch was one of them, and others that we don't have time to, to talk about. They obtained a good report. That means they obtained a testimony. I believe they obtained a testimony for the Lord. I believe they obtained a good record and a report from the Lord. where He's not ashamed to be called their God. And He speaks of them and said, this is my son. This is my servant. This is my... Uh, one that I've redeemed. They trusted in me. And he's not ashamed. So we obtained a good report from the Lord and by the Lord. Enoch had the testimony before he was translated, the Bible says, that he pleased God. How did he have it? He had it by faith. The Bible tells us, we opened with it. By faith, Enoch was translated. I want you to turn in your Old Testament uh, to Genesis chapter 5. Now, if you've ever just studied through the Bible, like starting from the beginning and going through and you're reading the genealogies, you'll come across Enoch right here. And I want us to look at it just real quickly. Enoch is not mentioned many places in the Bible. I believe in Jude, and I believe here in Genesis, and then what we read in Hebrews. But everything we do know about him, it's like, what could you say more? What could you say better? that would have been a more wonderful testimony than what Enoch had. Look look at Enoch. He's Noah's great-grandfather. Enoch was Noah's great-grandfather. Let's look at Genesis 5, 21. And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. And it doesn't say that about every one of these when you read through the genealogies. It says that Enoch walked with God. We just kind of take that for granted. Everybody didn't walk with God. Everybody doesn't walk with God. But Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. That's short compared to all the other ones around him. You know, Lamech, Noah's father lived for 777 years. Uh, Methuselah lived for nine hundred, I think, sixty-nine years, and so he was just a, a spring chicken. Okay, uh, Enoch walked with God, and then he, he all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty-five years. And Enoch walked with God. Walk. I say, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He took him in a good sense. He took him to be with him. One old preacher said, it was probably like this, that Enoch and God were walking along one day and they walked every day because uh, it says he walked with God. And, and the Lord said, you know, Enoch, we're, we're a lot closer uh, to my house than we are to yours. So why don't, why don't you just come on home and be with me? I'll tell you what, I'm going to live like that. What kind of testimony could you have that would be better than that? Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God and he was not because God took him. I want to talk to you this morning just about pleasing God. Do we live our lives in order to please the Lord? Or do we live our lives in order to please people? Ourselves? I can be a Christian and still live my life to please people, good people, and people around me, you know, and, uh, and other Christians, or to, to, to pursue my own pursuits in life and goals as a Christian, because they're not sinful. Therefore, since they're not specifically prohibited by Scripture, it must be okay. But the real attitude and mindset ought to be, I want to please God. I want to please God. We cannot do it without faith. We're doing a study on faith. Today we're specifically talking about pleasing God. I just want you to listen to a couple of scriptures. For time's sake, I'm just going to give them to you. First Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you, brothers in Christ, by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. You received that from us. Paul and the apostles that preached to them You received Christ. And then they received instruction how we ought to live for God and please God. And then we ought to grow and abound in that more and more. So if you've heard this sermon before, it's okay. God wants us to hear it again today because we need to abound in it more and more. I need to abound in that more and more. Just listen to this, 1 John 3.22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. We ought not just gloss over these little things. There's something to be said about living a life as a believer. I praise God He saved me for no nothing merit of my own by the grace of God. But now that I am saved, there's a whole life He's called me to. And there's a life that you and I can live that actually honors God. How about that? And actually pleases God. And I don't magnify the Lord or magnify His grace by me being a Christian and living in sin. I don't magnify God's grace and honor the Lord by being saved and living a life of compromise. Amen. We keep our eyes on Jesus, and there's a way to live that honors the Lord. Colossians one ten. One of my favorites that I've highlighted in my Bible. It says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So that we're moving on, y'all. We're moving on. William Tyndale. To translate the Bible. I think I mentioned him uh, in a recent sermon last week. His, he said this, there is no better, no work better than to please God. To pour water, to wash dishes, to be a shoemaker or an apostle. All are one. To wash dishes and to preach are all one. As touching the deed, to please God. There's nothing greater than living whatever you do. We know the scripture, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That it pleases God. There's, that's a calling. That's a calling upon every believer's life. It's not for some. It's for all in Christ. All are not apostles. All, some might be a shoemaker, okay? A pouring water uh, out to somebody who's thirsty. But all can live to please God. And I don't want to live my life, a good, clean life as a believer, but still basically doing what I want to do. I want to live my life knowing I'm pleasing God. I'm doing what He's called me to do. My heart's after God. Uh, everything is is desiring to do his will. OK, desiring to do his will to please the Lord. OK, and He is able to to cause us to do that and, and to be that and to do that. And so it's only by faith. Amen. It's only by faith. And God is desiring to strengthen our faith. You know, when when. Uh, And can I tell you that Satan is after your faith? Satan is after your faith. Because of things that hit close to home. Because of prayers that seem to be unanswered, maybe for years. Because of difficulties you're going through. Because of uh, confusion. You can't understand why this is happening the way it is. I'm a believer and they're a believer. Why, Why are things happening like this? Satan is after our faith at every turn. He doesn't care that you're, quote, a Christian. He knows you've given your your life to the Lord. But he cares that you walk in the life of victory, telling others about Jesus, by your testimony and by your words and by your preaching, your effectiveness for Christ. He cares about that he wants to stop it. If you remember when Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to have you, Simon. He's desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. I looked that up and what it meant is that... um, to riddle, you know, p- picture a machine gun uh, hitting this wall right here, you know, some high power machine gun just basically sawing it in half. It's got so many holes in it. He says Satan is desired to have you, Peter, that he might sift you as wheat. He wants to shoot you, not physically, but shoot your trust in me and your faith full of holes to where it crumbles. But he says, but I have prayed for you. The Lord is our intercessor, right? He's through with the cross. He finished that, but he has another ministry. He's at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding on the behalf of the saints, on our behalf. So he's praying for us. He says specifically that your faith fail not. I I'm pray I'm for you that your faith fail not. Peter was getting ready to deny the Lord. He didn't even know it. That was going to happen. The Lord was praying for him. He came through it. He didn't stay there. Satan was after him. Satan gave him a good blow. But Satan didn't defeat him. He came through. Jesus, I mean, Peter lived for the Lord. Peter died for the Lord later in life. But Satan was after his faith. He's always after our faith. And and the Bible says, um, without faith we cannot please God. We are to live a life that pleases the Lord. Now no man, the Bible says, now no man that wars wars, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, the Christian life is compared there to being a soldier. We're in, we're in hostile territory. Remember that. Don't get too close to buddy-buddy and friendship with the world. Not that we hate people, but it's that we have one commanding officer, one captain of our salvation, the Bible says. And I hate him and I listen to him. Okay, And I cannot get too comfortable or lax or compromise. I'm going to do some of what pleases God and I'm going to do some of what pleases men around me. Won't that be a better witness and a testimony? No, it won't be. Live for God. He knows how to reach people. He knows how to reach them through your life. Live a life separated unto God. It pleases the Lord. I can't get too bogged down and entangled with the affairs of this world because I've got to please the One who chose me to be a soldier. And the... uh, Paul said this, and I preached on it months ago. He says, "For do I now persuade men or God, or do I yet please men or God? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ." That's pretty. There's a period after that. You know, I mean, that's pretty significant. Do if I yet pleased men as a as a believer, if I pleased men and that was my purpose, then I would should not be a servant of Christ. I didn't say that. The Word of God says that. But it makes sense and it lines up with the rest of the Word of God. Amen. You're going to please one or another. You can't please all. And I'll tell you this, husbands, wives, parents, uh, workers, employees, employers, if you will serve God first and please Him and seek with your whole heart to please God with all your heart, He'll make you a better husband. He'll make you a better wife. He'll make you a better child, a better parent, a better worker, a better Mm -hmm. boss. He'll do all that for your for your life because everything else is out of whack. You know, it's like the, the earth's earth spinning and orbiting just like it's supposed to, and your life's going to spin and orbit perfectly in balance if you'll put God first. He'll take care of every other relationship. It doesn't mean you'll never have a difficulty. It means it'll be what it's supposed to be, and it's honoring God. You'll be the best you can be in all of those different areas of life to what God's called you to be. Amen. The right attitude of the heart is to be to please God, to please God. What say the Scriptures? Abraham believed God; it was counted unto him for righteousness. The Bible says later in Romans that whatever is not of faith is sin. You know, we, we think sin sin is sin is murder and and adultery and lying and stealing from my employer. Sin is all these things, but it, it and all those are sins as well. But the Bible kind of Classifies and says whatever is not of faith is sin. So then you have to hear from God yourself. There are things in your life that I couldn't point my finger and say, stop doing this. Some could, and you could point at me, but some you couldn't from my heart as well. I have to hear from the Lord. Whatever is not of faith is sin. And so He wants us to trust Him in every, every way. All the men and women that you and I admire. And then we talk about, and then we preach about, and we tell Bible stories about, and we think about. All of them were men and women who trusted God, right? We're not admiring Ahab. We're not admiring Jezebel. We're not admiring, you know, Pontius Pilate. We're we're admiring people that trusted God. We see their imperfections. They're all sinners, every one of them, all saved by grace, all saved by faith, Old Testament, New Testament. We see their fears and their failures at times. Some of them very notable. But you know what? They, they God saved them. They started in faith. And somehow, even through their valleys, uh, they kept their eyes on the Lord and God brought them back out. Their faith got really weak and God lifted them back up. They started in faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He got them through. That's the people we admire. It's not that they're perfect. It's not that on their own they had some innate goodness that was better than other men. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that seeks after God on their own. But but all were men and women of faith. And we admire them. And we think about them. And they're examples to us. Um, And I thank the Lord for it. Their faith was real. Okay? Their faith was real. There were works in their lives, like we talked about last week, that showed that their faith was real. Because even the devils believe. James James says, even the devil, you believe there's one God, you do well. He's kind of being a little sarcastic. Even the devils believe that and tremble. But wilt thou not know, O man, that faith without works is dead? We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith but works will follow true faith. I promise you. Good works will follow true faith. May not be the works that I think it should be or you think you should see in my life, but the works that God wants to produce in our lives and the fruit will follow the faith if the faith was genuine to start with. Because our life is new in Christ. It will follow. It will follow. It doesn't proceed. It follows. We're saved by grace, not by works. But these men and women of faith that we admire, there was evidence to their life of faith in God. Their life showed that they believed in God because when he spoke to them, they obeyed what he said. They did things that were impossible. Actually, God did things through their lives that were impossible. All of Hebrews uh, 11 talks about it, but it was because their faith was genuine and real and they pleased God again, not because they were something special, but because they trusted in the Lord. And y'all, for us today, uh, if we're going to please God, we have to we have to believe in His Son, because the Father said, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased." He said it at, at Jesus' baptism at the Jordan River. He said on the Mount of Transfiguration. It might be one other occasion he said it as well. But it's almost like uh, knock, knock everything else away. you know, Scatter it all away. And let's get one thing straight here. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye Him. Trust in Him. So if my life is going to please God, I have to be by faith in Christ. And I have to be walking in His ways, and and growing in the Lord. It, that's the only life that's going to please the Lord. And these men and women that we admire, they trusted in the coming Savior. They might have died before He came, but they trusted in Him coming, okay, through the Word of God. They didn't trust in themselves to be righteous. They trusted in the righteous one to make them righteous. And we look back at the, the crosses as a, a, a historical fact. But we trust in the Lord to be our righteousness. And we trust Him to heal us. And we trust Him to strengthen us. And we trust Him to deliver us. And guess what? Does He come through? He comes through. Every time. You say, well, I prayed to be healed and I wasn't healed. Or I prayed that my my mother would be healed and instead she died. God didn't come through. He did come through. She's healed now. Amen? I mean, He can heal our bodies, but you understand my point. He's always faithful. He comes through always. And these men and women that we, we admire it's because they, their faith was genuine. And y'all faith is not just in our minds. Faith is in our hearts. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. It says in John. I mean Romans 10.10. 10. That is where faith resides and where it abides and where it has to be in our hearts. Joshua and Caleb. You know the story about when they were sent out as Two of the 12 spies, one from each tribe, right? And they went to spy out the promised land. The Israelites had come out of Egypt. They were right on the brink, right on the Jordan River, about to cross over. And they sent out the 12 spies. And of all the spies that came back after 30 days in the land, um, ten, 10 brought an, what the Bible calls an evil report. They said, uh, there's giants there. And there's, uh, we were like grasshoppers compared to them. And the land there just eats people up and swallows people up. And Joshua and Caleb said, are you kidding me? He said, they're they're nothing. They're just bread for us. If God's pleased with us, he can give us that land. He brought us out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He drowned the the enemy in, in the Red Sea. And you're telling me he can't handle a couple of giants over here? Joshua and Caleb, it says they brought word as was in their heart, not as it was in their mind. They brought report back to the, the Israelites as was in their heart. You know what that was? That was faith. And that's where faith is. And that's how we please God. And if you're still... Uh, well, you can turn with me back to uh, Hebrews 11. And I just want to read this. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. So what is it saying here? That Noah... He was no different than another man to his left or his right, other than he had faith in God. It never rained upon the earth. And God says, the end of all flesh has come before me. All flesh has corrupted itself on the earth. I'm going to flood the whole earth. But you have seen righteous in my sight, Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he tells him to build an ark. And by faith, he did something. He didn't just say, I believe God, and went and sat back on the stump. He said, I believe God, and then he started preparing the ark. God gave him the specific plans. He had his sons helping him. It took 120 years in preparing the ark. It was a miracle in itself, bringing, bringing that all about. But the Bible says by faith, he did this. Prepared an ark, so he did something to the saving of his house. This pleased the Lord, okay? by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And God rewarded his faith. Again, it's a living faith that caused him to obey. And God still rewards faith today. I am the Lord, I change not. In your life right now, wherever you are, whatever he's called you to, whatever chapter in your book of life you are right now, God knows where you are. He has sufficiency for you where you are now. But he's going to reward your faithful obedience. Well, Lord, this is the hardest thing I've ever been through. This is uncharted waters for me. I've never done this before. I've never even read about. anybody in the Bible going through this particular trial. He says, just trust me. If we'll just trust him, he will bring us through. And our righteousness as the noonday, the Bible said, He has never failed anyone yet. He's never broken a promise yet. He still rewards faith. We're all listed out there in Hebrews 11, so we can read it. By faith, Noah did this. God is always pleased with that and rewards. It says he built the ark by faith. It says to the saving of his house. God saved him and his family, didn't he? God made a covenant with Noah and God saved him and preserved him. And Noah wasn't perfect. He sinned after this, but he did trust in God. He kept his eyes on the Lord. And so, y'all, we're talking about living a life that pleases God in every way. We're called to live a life that pleases God. Look at verse 16 of Hebrews 11. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. See, because he's pleased with that, for he has prepared for them a city. You know what God is able to do? He's, got, he's able to take us from where we are. He's able to speak the promise to us, whether it's from his word or speaking something to your heart that lines up with his word. And then he's able to bring us all the way through All the way through being all the way through that trial, tribulation, all the way through life, through a gray haired old man, whatever it may be, all the way to heaven. And it says here that he prepared for them a city, He prepared a place for them. In that verse that we just read, God is able to bring his people through. And the Bible says that when uh, that when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I mean, what a blessing. God wants your ways to please God. Okay? And don't have a higher, don't let anything else crowd that out. Don't have God in this. And they're kind of fighting for superiority. I don't know if I've shared this before, that I used to think of it this way, and I've heard preachers and other people say it. It's like, you know, you've seen the pyramid. Okay? God's at the top. Then maybe like family, and then work, and then leisure. And and they got this pyramid. And I've seen that displayed. And I understand what people are meaning. And I don't mock it. But I believe something a little different. I believe that it should be God, and that's all. Because if I have God here, and then right touching it, right below it is, say, family. And right below family is work and finances. That means that there will always be this competition. Maybe family's going to jump ahead one day. You know, maybe I'm going to put too much emphasis on my child or my spouse or my work. And so rather than it being a competition to see who can get to the top, and I finally got God up at the top like putting a star on the tree. If it's all just given to God, just give it all to God to where he has no competition. My family is given to God. They're not a competition to my love for Christ. My job and my work is a blessing from God and I give it all to God. It's not in competition with my devotion to Christ. If my work calls here, but God's called here, there's not a competition. I'm going with God all the way because I've already given my work to God, okay? And so I just think that's, a, to me, that helps me in a better way to look at it. It's all the Lord's. It's all under the big umbrella umbrella of Service and love and devotion to Jesus Christ. Loyalty and faithfulness to Him. And so, uh, that again is by faith. Um, the Lord loves the lost man, but a lost man cannot please God. It's impossible. He's not pleased with their unbelief, is He? He's not pleased with my unbelief, when I doubt Him as a Christian at times. But He's not pleased with anyone's refusal to trust Him. <laughs> He's not pleased with someone's refusal to believe his word that is forever settled in heaven. Uh, that life does not and cannot please God. So they that are in the flesh, it says in Romans 8, cannot please God. They cannot please the Lord. And uh, Christ, y'all, if I, I said it a little while ago that in order for my life to please God, I've got to be in Christ by faith and I've got to be walking in the Lord keeping my eyes upon Him. He is not only our example of how to live a selfless life, okay? Because the Bible says that uh, Jesus said, uh, we know the Scripture, I quote it all the time, He that sent me, Jesus said, is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. Could you say that? Could I say that? I do always those things that please Him. I don't know that I could say it, but I I want to. And God can help me to. It's not impossible. With men, it's impossible. Not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And I'm living this life with God. Right? So if I'm in the faith and walking by faith, uh, then I'm going to be living a life that pleases God and honors God. Not only is He my example and say, okay, here's the example. Go follow it. I say, that's too hard. Okay, He is my example. But He is also my strength, my enabler, my power to to be able to live that way. Christ in you, the hope of glory. His Holy Spirit It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, now, because it's Christ in me, I can keep my eyes on the Lord at every turn. And every day, good times and bad times, and the rainy days and the sunny days, the hardest trial I've ever been through, the sunniest, <clears throat> most wonderful day I've ever had. I can keep my eyes on the Lord. Not only keep them on Him, but I can walk with Him, every step of the way. Don't get out in front of Him. Don't get lagging behind Him. He's a shepherd, and He leads us, and we follow Him. And I'm going to be uh, bringing this to a close. But that is the the attitude of a heart that is to be fixed. On the Lord. David said at least two places in the Psalms. My heart is fixed, O Lord. O God, my heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. Again, faith is in our heart, not just our minds. My heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. And if you and I are going to live a life that honors our Lord and Savior, we have to trust Him. We have to trust Him fully. Okay? So that means wherever we are, including myself in my faith, I need to trust Him fully. The things that right now today I doubt, I would never tell you I doubt, okay? But in my own heart and my mind, I doubt. And I wonder, and I struggle with. God wants us to give that to Him. If I'm going to please God, and I have a testimony like Enoch. Amen. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Write that on my tombstone, amen? Pray we could. And on yours as well. We have to trust Him and trust Him fully. Okay? God's going to help us. And I don't always write down prayers, but when I was finishing this sermon, I wrote down this. Oh, help us, O Lord, to trust You more. To trust You completely. Even for the things we don't fully understand. Lord, increase our faith in You. Be pleased with our trust in Jesus. Be pleased with our lives of faithful obedience to You, Lord. I want to, I want to read this from uh, uh, a pastor who wrote this. He says, God's people are to see only one thing, care for only one thing, live for only one thing, to be swallowed up in one thing and one thing alone, and that is to please God. And I agree with that. I believe that. I believe that's the Lord. Obviously, we need His help to strengthen us. Those marching orders are too great for us. But it's not too great for Christ in us. That's where we have to trust Him. I've never done this before. He said, well, I have. Just trust me. I've never spoken before people before. Well, I have. Trust me, I'll do it through you. I can't love my enemies like you say I'm supposed to. Well, I can I love people that nail me to a cross. Let me love them through you. He can do it. Amen? He can do it. Y'all, the altars are open. i got one scripture I want to read. I want to, And I want to read this from Psalm 147 as you're praying. He delighteth not, the Lord delighteth not in the strength of a, the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear Him. And in those who hope, there's our faith and our trust in His mercy. So, do you want to please God? I do. If I don't, then I need to ask God to change my heart. Because I don't always want to please God. A lot of times I want to please myself. A lot of times I want to please people. But God says we ought to live for one thing to please Him. So Father, we come before You in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, the first thing I want to do is pray for my own heart and the hearts of Your people here that you would give us a heart of faith and a heart that truly desires to please you. Not that we get warm and fuzzy when we think about it, but that we really, in our heart of hearts, above all else and everything else, we want to live our lives, every second of our lives, to please God Almighty, to please Christ our Lord. Would you, first of all, change our hearts and make it what it should be to where the intent and the motive and the love of our heart is right and it's fixed upon Christ. And then, Lord, would you strengthen us as your people by your might to live that life. To do and actually live in a way that pleases you. By faith, Enoch was translated. For he had this testimony before he translated, was translated that he pleased God. Lord, help us to live that way today for the children, for for the every age person in here. Bring us from where we are to where you want us to be in Christ. And you would be pleased when you see our faithful obedience to you, God. We love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.